Welcome back to Rogue Fun, a podcast story. The podcast, all about Rogue One. I'm Alice White, and joining me this week, an incredibly special guest. Katrina Dennis is here. Katrina is a writer, producer, host, and tabletop RPG actor, and the foremost expert on Asajj Ventress, as I have learned. Um, <laughs> welcome, to Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so I'm so excited to talk about Rogue One and Cassian and all the things today. Yes, yes, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so glad you're here. We have so much to talk about, so let's just like dive right into it. Um, this is, of course, first and foremost, a Rogue One podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk to you about your Rogue One feelings. Um, what? Tell me about the first time you ever watched Rogue One. So when I watched Rogue One, I was working press with The Wrap at the time, and we got uh, an invite to an early screening of it. So we got to go to the um, Disney Burbank Animation Studios oh and go to the, the... Yeah, it was so cool. Um, uh, <laughs> we went to the Snow White Theater, and we watched it there. That's also where I watched the Rebels finale and like a, a couple other really great um, uh, things from Star Wars. And um, I went in with my editor at the time and just like... You know, you walk into any media event and there's always this like, like not every press person has the attitude of I don't want to be here. But a lot of like older press people are like, I guess I'm just phoning this in. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to dial it in. But by the end of that, that screening, and it was also the like very day after like Carrie passed too. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. So by the end of that screening between the actual plot of Rogue One and then Vader and then seeing Leia, like everyone in the house had like not a single dry eye. Like it Aww. was, it was so like, like you could feel it in the air. Everything was so much different. And like, I, I loved it. Like my, my life changed. My editor hated it. Um, oh uh, no. <laughs> yeah. He like walked out, he had all sorts of opinions and I was like, I'm just going to tune that out and just, let this movie like simmer inside of me and, and, and see how I feel about it. And yeah, I mean, my, so I think my first Rogue One experience was really special in that way. Cause I, I got to see, I got to see it at Disney. I got to see it like among my colleagues and I got to see like their perspectives change from when we walked into when we walked out. So I, I loved it. It was so special. Yeah. To me. That is amazing. What an amazing story. Um, so, so special when it, and a, like a unique perspective on that like first release. I'm so jealous of you. That's amazing. <laughs> I miss doing press so much. Like it, it, it's specifically for that reason, because like you, you just end up with so many like little experiences that you could not have, you know, as a, as a, as a fan. Um, uh, like uh, not to jump too far ahead of myself, but my friend Laura Siracle is like a very prolific entertainment journalist. And she was the one who invited me to the Andor premiere. And just like that experience was like, it, it made me think a lot about the trip to the Burbank studios because I was like, this is really special that now I get to like go from seeing it at the Snow White Theater to seeing it at the El Cap um, and seeing and meeting, uh, uh, meeting Diego and meeting Kathleen, uh, Kennedy, like those, oh man, that was, oh like, my God. <laughs> oh man, you are killing me here. <laughs> yeah. That whole night, like I took those pictures and like, I, I was so glad that like I had, I had a phone that like could deal with my hand shaking and still take 
a clear photo with them. Um, but yeah, so everything involving Rogue One has been like very special and like and memorable for me. I love that. I'm so I'm so happy to hear that. And so again, <laughs> jealous, amazing stories. You've been so lucky. And and so I imagine then that like Rogue One and um and like Star Wars in general has been like really important to to you and to your like experiences coming up oh, in yes. like fandom spaces. And how has like Rogue One specifically, or like I guess Star Wars in general, but Rogue One specifically affected your like your fandom. How has it brought you closer to like to to Star Wars, to fandom, and to I guess like your your job, your the career that you've made for yourself? Oh yeah, I I would not have the career I have if I uh, didn't love Star Wars and have a passion for like nerd fandom. Um, when you know my dad is. Uh, also a Star Trek or Star Wars fan, but like a huge Star Trek fan. So like mm -hmm. my earliest memories are of going to conventions with him um, uh, and, and like walking the floor. And like, I think I was like three, three years old, my first Star Trek show. Um, and Star Trek is the reason I, I discovered Star Wars in the first place. So Star Wars has been part of my life, my entire life. And Rogue One was one of those first entries where like you know, first off, there was like a Latino man in the in the lead, mm -hmm. um, and and the faces were so different and diverse from a lot of the things that we had been offered from Star uh, from Star Wars by then. And so, like, I know I was hype about it. I know all of my friends were hype about it. Like, um, and I think that that alone was like really cool. Like when it was, I remember when it was introduced at um, at uh, it wasn't D twenty three. It was a celebration, right? Or it was one of the two. And they yeah. were so close together that year that like I can't remember which yeah. one. Yeah, my gut, um, my gut says celebration, but um, yeah, just from was, from memory. But yeah, yeah. So the, we got that concept art, and it was just like the soldiers running on the ground under the ships, and um, and I kind of got like a, a Twilight Company feeling from it, but it ended up being so radically different from what Twilight Company was, um, and I I love that. Like I I kind of. I enjoy that Rogue One surprised me so much because uh, right, you know, during Rogue One, we were like at the height of Rebels. So we knew what a Rebel cell was. We knew what that kind of deal looked like and how how they kind of like came together very uniquely, uh, each and every one. And so, you know, seeing seeing that Rebel cell come together for the eight hours that they were together um, was <laughs> really cool and special and like a really unique perspective on like how the rebellion formed in the first place and how it got to be where it was when, when Jin joined, you know? Um, right. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was just, it was a, you know, something akin to a religious experience, like being at the, at the, at the end of my viewing of Rogue One and like having spent that time with those characters kind of knowing, like going in, I was like, these people aren't going to survive. Like <laughs> I yeah. feel like they're doomed anyway, but like, even knowing that, even having that feeling, spending that time with that those characters made me care so much about them that, like, as every single one of them went down, I, like, cried. I was bawling. And, like, oh. you just, you don't get, I mean, that's what's, what movies are supposed to do with for you. But, like, you, to have that in a Star Trek or a Star Wars offering where you knew you weren't going to get sequels, this wasn't a trilogy, you just had this time with these characters and then it was over. Like, I think that is what made it so unique and special to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of being special to you, can you speak more on what it means to you now and what it meant to you then to have 
Diego Luna to have a Latino man in in like the main position and in, in such an important piece of media like this? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was like that first little taste. Like we had we had um Bail Organa for like the longest time, the yeah. legendary Jimmy Smiths, our Puerto Rican king. Um <laughs> and and just to like see how it's grown since then, like the fact that Diego is leading a 24 episode two season show for a star war right now is like mind blowing. And, and I'm really like proud um, to have this kind of representation in star Wars. Like I myself am Chilean and, and Colombian. And so like that, that with Pedro, like leading this like breakout series that like is essentially like the, the, like the, the beginning of what star Wars live action TV was like, this is, a moment for me and for my family that was like that has been intensely special because i remember back in in uh what like 24 2014 2013 when the first trailer for the force awakens came out the i was watching it with my dad over the phone because he lives in florida and i live in california and um we we, we were watching through it and oscar isaac like went yahoo in his in his x-wing and my dad was like, wait, isn't that Oscar Isaac? And I was like, yeah. And then he said, you put, you mean, that blah, blah. Yeah, he said, um, they put one of us in an X-Wing. And like, you know, it was like such a, like a whatever observation for him. He was like, oh, that's neato. Like, but for me, it was like, they put one of us in an X-Wing. Like, <laughs> oh like, my gosh. It was, yeah. Like, yeah. So, so to see like Diego, not just see, like leading this series, but executive producing it and knocking it out of the park every single episode and, and expanding on this character that was already so interesting in Rogue One. Like it's, it's, it's just like amazing. Like it's something that if I told little Katrina, like they wouldn't believe me. <laughs> so speaking about Diego, absolutely <laughs> knocking it out of the park every single episode. We got to start talking about episode six. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, episode six is called The Eye. And um, and sure enough, we get to see the eye that they've been talking about this mm -hmm. whole time. Um, this great celestial event that leads them out of the of the heist. Um, what what do you think about the episode? What were your first thoughts? It This is the episode that I was waiting for. And First off, I really love how they're doing three episode arcs in in this series. Like every there's like a contained movie in every step of the way that that Cassian's taking, um, and I like that because it kind of echoes what they did with Clone Wars. Um, uh, and yeah, so like going into this episode, I was already anticipating all sorts of stuff. I was already nervous and scared for the entire cell. Like I, when we met them, I was like, oh God, oh God, are all of them going to die? Are some no. of them going to die? Like, who do I have to prepare to like mourn this week? And, and, uh, and my guesses were correct. Um, yeah, I, mine too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like, oh no, you're going to die. I'm sorry. You're too hopeful. Um, uh, but, but I thought like, this is, this was one of the most visually stunning episodes of Star Wars TV that we have ever gotten like between not just the eye itself and the lights and projections but like the way it was shot the way characters are like dressed and posed and even like the choreography of like how the fights went down were just like so 
I feel like they were so meticulously designed to guide your eye through the entire story that it just like it felt like a, a you know a movie and that not to be cliche because I'm sure everyone's saying like oh it feels like a movie but like it felt like an immersive movie that you just you were following the characters around through it and I I loved it so much I think like you know it it tickled my ship fancies it uh, and that means spaceship not ship ship but but there was ship ship fancies um the and and uh and it gave me a lot of things that like i've been wanting from live action star wars for a long time like i i myself am queer like i'm bisexual and non-binary and so when i when we had that line where it's like uh oh vel shares a uh or since shares a blanket with someone else and vel walked out i was like oh well that's the subtle representation we always get but like now with them like touching hands like that that was you know and it's silly to even it feels silly to say that because it's like that's so compartmentalized but it's such a like intimate gesture that like you literally cannot deny in any way that these two women are in a relationship like there's no they're best friends about it like (laughs) you know like absolutely no totally (laughs) um and I'm I'm bisexual also and um yeah so I totally understand exactly what you mean like I spent a lot of time last episode thinking Mm -hmm. about that, about the, um, the sharing a blanket line. And -hmm. I was like, nah, like, like they, they could, they wouldn't like, Mm -hmm. it's still star Wars. Like we're hoping it's 2022, but like, whatever, they're not going to say anything about it. And then Mm -hmm. they held hands and my, my little heart just shattered. Also watching Cinta's face as they fly away, leaving her behind. Absolutely broke my heart. I was so up, so devastated for her, but she's alive and Vel's alive and they, they made it out and you didn't, you didn't have to kill one of them to bring emotion to the other. We're not burying our gaze here. Like we are surviving. They are, (laughs) they are making it through. And that meant so much. That meant so much to see and felt so good. And like, that they they worked so well in tandem together like a team and then they got to have like a little moment to say goodbye that like felt really rom- like really actually romantic um mm-hmm. and and maybe and they you know maybe i'm still grasping at straws here or maybe i'm i i feel part of me feels like oh well we just got like a little hand touch and some like knowing glances and we deserve mm-hmm. more than that but that's mm-hmm. not that's not what this episode was about, right? This episode is about the team and it's about yeah. how they work together. It's about the things that can go wrong and the trust that they may or may not have rightly placed in each other. And um, so it's okay that it wasn't overtly romantic as much as my little hopeless romantic heart always wants for all everyone to kiss all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm yeah. always I mean, I'm, they have to reunite at some point. Hopefully it will be on screen and hopefully we will get a reunion smooch. I think that would be really nice. I sure hope so. That would be really, really nice. Um, it's nice to see them and they both did such a good job um, in this episode. Uh, everybody did such a such a killer job in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting performance is just out of this world. What were some of your favorite moments in the in the episode? Oh my gosh! Um, like, uh, like so much. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. Um, I, I mean, I loved Cassian's moments where he interacted like directly with a lot of the uh, the the crew. Um, I, I really love his dynamic with Namek, where like 
he he meets this young hopeful who is basically like the foundation i would say like like nemic is going to be a very strong foundation for what cassian believes in when he officially joins the rebellion like that manifesto that left with him is something cassian is actually going to keep and read instead of like throwing out and trying to discard it and trying yeah. to you know not like deny his attachment to that so yeah. i, I, I you know yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the phrase rebellions are built on hope doesn't come from that manifesto. That mm -hmm. feels like something that Nemec would have would have written. That feels like a piece. And I, I think when yeah, Cassian specifically goes to read the the part of the manifesto that Nemec was working on the night before the heist, I think mm -hmm. that that's going to be something that hits him really hard. Um and and affects his uh his his faith in the cause like completely and i can't wait i'm so excited <laughs> yes yeah because i think like this is this is the first real like moment where you know we we had that introduction where he he chose to like leave and join the rebellion quote unquote with um with the opportunity to like make money and leave immediately if he had to but i think this is like this is the thing that's going to get him to stay um is like just having this interaction with these rebels where you know he was the odd man out like he was the guy the new guy who like hadn't participated in in building their their relationships as as a cell um and so i i'm just i'm excited to see how what the thing you know the things that they say to him and said to him i'm excited to hear those words again coming from his mouth later in this series like that's what i want yeah yes absolutely and i i do think we're going to get that chance since the show is based around Cassie and Andor finding what what drives him forward, how and how he becomes the um the man that we see at the beginning of Rogue One, who is, you know, jaded and and hard and um and a little he's kind of got blinders on, like this is the rebellion and I'm doing this for the cause, and there's no other way mm -hmm. for me. Um, but I think there's something about something about Jen. And something about Bodhi Rook. Um, I think I can't remember who it was uh, last week or the week before. One of my other guests, maybe Candace, um, maybe Hope. Somebody said um, that they think specifically that ne that Bodhi Rook is like feels like Nemec a lot. There's a lot of like similar mannerisms. They're both young, very young faces, mm -hmm. where where Cassian is inspired by Bodhi and Jin and Baze and Chirrut to finally realize that like. Oh yes, this cause that I've been focused on—it's about much more than what mm -hmm. I have been doing, and so I, yeah, I can't wait for the rest of this show to follow him through that path and how he goes, you know, from believing so hard in the cause that he has to join it and he has to do everything for it and sacrifice everything for the cause mm -hmm. to like how and how even does he get there and then from there to the jaded man that we know at the beginning of rogue one there's so yeah. much journey for him to make i think i don't know why but that completely reminded me of like so cassian doesn't seem to hesitate when he shoots people you know like right like when he <laughs> to shoot somebody he shoots them there's no moment where like he's stopping and like and like shaking and it makes me think especially after this last episode and with the security guard i think of the moment where he's about to shoot um uh Jin's father whose name completely escapes me now yeah um, Galen yeah Galen Galen um 
and he just stops, you know, like Cassian isn't the type of guy to hesitate as we've seen. Um, so something is going to happen to him or maybe it was Rogue One that happened to him to because we, you know, even at the start of Rogue One, we saw him shoot somebody without like hesitation. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting is that like we're going to see this person who's like so set in his ways in this series grow into someone who like gets to that point where all it takes is meeting that crew to like change his mind and change who he is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like um, maybe at the episode one of Andor, when uh, those two guys are chasing him away from the, from the brothel um, that he, he did almost, he did kind of hesitate almost to, to fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it came down to it, you know, he's like, well, it's, you know, I got to save my skin. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to, he didn't really mean to, to kill that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's like, well, yeah. you know, I can't hesitate. This is my life. This is other people's lives. I've got to, you know, go for it. I think mm-hmm. that um, the Rogue One novelization shines a little bit of light on um, specifically what it was about Galen or so that makes him pause um, in the Rogue One novelization, it says that he notices that Galen Erso and Jin Erso have the same eyes. Ah. And, and that seeing Jin's eyes in that man's face makes him hesitate. And that then he starts spiraling a little bit. Mm. Um, because then you also see after he shoots Tivik in the first couple minutes of Rogue One, when he shoots him in the back, he says, it's going to be okay. And shoots him in the back. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hesitate to shoot him in the back. And he does. And then. But then there's that look that passes over his face where he kind of feels, it, it almost feels guilty, but yeah. like I did what I had to, but he still kind of like grimaces through it. Like it's hard for him still because yeah. there's so much humanity in him and there's so much like, there's so much to that character that he's still kind of like, even though he doesn't hesitate to kill, it doesn't, he doesn't take any pleasure in it. That's mm-hmm. not, and it, and it doesn't, not affect him you know he's so affected by all of it all the time um and i think diego luna is just doing such a good job like expressing that with just like his beautiful face gosh there's so much happened in this episode that i don't even know like (laughs) i I don't even know where to go next (laughs) start like it felt so much longer than it was you know like we we spend what like 45 minutes with with them like every week but like 45 minutes to an hour. But like this felt like a full length, like film, like mm-hmm. this episode alone. And so I think it's just because of the journey of them getting to like that base to, to and into the Imperial uh, base. And then also like, you know, we, I feel like the, the, the people of that, that, that area, like their, their pilgrimage and their celebration kind of just like coded the whole thing um with a theme you know like this absolutely these yeah these lights and like this this uh this symbol of like i you know to them like hope and the future and and prosperity and grounding like i think that cassian when he was flying through that when the chaos was going like that i i feel like that in a sense also moved him like you see him like stare out and like he's trying to control the ship but like this completely like spectacular thing is happening around him and showing him like this this new view of like the galaxy and like maybe even how to think based on like the people of that planet and so like the donnie there we go um so i thought like that whole sequence was just like amazing because it's a moment where everyone took pause like even the 
crappy Imperials um, uh, like stopped and, and took some pause and like stared up at the spectacle of it all. And so I think that like uh, that, that in itself, like that sequence, there was so much going on, but that in the backdrop is what kept it like grounded, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so glad that you brought up the the Dani people um, mm -hmm. and their and their pilgrimage. Yeah, because so much of like what they were doing, their presence in the valley affected the like mood and vibe of the whole scene in general. Mm -hmm. Because these are not people who are like in outward open rebellion against the against the empire, but mm -hmm. they are celebrating their own heritage and their own culture and their own like like selves in this space and um and so like and they're like small defiances when they throw the goat skin into the fire when they you know they're they're dancing and chanting or when he says you know ah oh, tell him oh what is that line I, I have it I have it here he says may the eye stay open long enough to find some good within you mm -hmm. which like whoo that hit that hit pretty good um yeah. and they're like yeah the smaller acts of rebellion and then like these are the people for which we are fighting this is why the rebellion is exists this is why they're stealing a lot of money <laughs> out of oh, this yeah. payroll um is to help people like this and that they are so close to the action they are right in the middle of it um, mm -hmm. and have no idea what's going on around them, but they're there for their celebration. That hit me really hard while I was watching it. I was really, really struck by that. And like the fast cuts between the heist and the celebration and the shooting and the dancing and the, the, the like dichotomy between these scenes being cut between so fast, really yeah. like, I, I was breathless by the end of that sequence and they had so much to do with it. Um, it's just like a, like a lot of really interesting choices by the filmmakers there that I just yeah. loved. I loved it. I thought it, it, like you said, like that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that, that people really enjoy about the series is how, like, how starkly it parallels, criticizes, and talks about what our real life experiences are, you know, like they're, you know, we, we live our, our everyday lives while all kinds of stuff is going on, you know? And we deal with like personal things while like on a greater and grander scale, like other people are dealing with greater things, you know, um, not to be like vague or whatever, but I don't want to go into like super detail about it or else I'd go straight off the topic of like Andor. But like, you know, I feel I feel like that backdrop of like people trying to live their lives and folks fighting for them to be able to live those lives is is so important and prevalent in like even the lore of like American society, you know, mm -hmm. um, whether you take that as like the uh, military or if you take that as like everyday activists, like working hard so that, you know, here in LA, um, uh, you know, our houseless neighbors are, are constantly like under siege and, and, uh, and having activists every single day out there, like making the calls and like, you know, calling folks out and going to city council meetings um that's that kind of feels really close in a way to like our form of rebellion and so i thought that was that was a really great way to like put it into like a, a grand scale of things yeah yeah i'm really glad that you um that you said that and that that was something that i felt um 
like Rogue One really did successfully when it came out at the at the tail end of 2016, um, which was a really difficult year for a lot of people um, to to ground Star Wars in like this is what people on the ground, this is what like the actual people who are fighting are like going through on a regular basis and the the like on the ground oppression that that these people are experiencing is like really really poignant in Rogue One and Andor is doing it um in this in the same in the same way because it yeah it's a it's a successor to it's a prequel but it's a successor to the legacy that I think Rogue One has established and there's no way that Tony Gilroy could have known this but like what you were just saying about like um like on the ground activists and and um and stuff like that it reminded me so much of like uh, the protests going on in Iran right now um mm -hmm. and these people who are just trying to live their lives just trying to go about their business the way that they feel like they should be allowed to and mm -hmm. the oppression is is real and and stomping out these the fires of the people that are trying to just live their lives and that and so like this the dancing and celebrating of the Donnie people um in this episode really reminded me of that and like how could they have known yeah. <laughs> that, that this would all be happening at the same time obviously they didn't but it's just it's they didn't but because it happens all the time all over the world and like Always people are, are trying so hard to fight against oppression all the time that um, that they didn't need to see into the future because they know it just, it happens always. There's, you know, and, and people will continue to fight. Like humans are just like that, right? We're just wired like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the, the, the humanity that's present in these star Wars stories. Like, yeah, it's a story about a galaxy far away and like lots and lots of alien species and, 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 and stuff like that but like at the heart of it it's a human story um mm -hmm. about the the like the fight within people to always want freedom and freedom of expression and freedom of name just start naming rights <laughs> people want them right and people deserve them and um and yeah star wars star wars captures that so so like simply so people say all the time, like, Star Wars is a kid's show. Star Wars is a kid's movie. It's a kid's thing. Well, no, it's because it's it's laying it out in a simple way. Oppression mm -hmm. is bad. Tyranny is bad. Our mm -hmm. heroes are the ones that are fighting against that. And it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Um, but we are being given this, like, this gift of a show that does it with so much, like, maturity and mm -hmm. so much, like, I don't know, heart and compassion. I just... Uh, Man, I really love the show. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. I mean, I think, you know, being celebrated as like an entry for like just adults, but I think in in many ways, like this this show is like it's something that's actually directly calling out like oppression and how that behavior manifests and where it comes from and what the viewpoints of an oppressor are. You know, like we we have gone from like, oh, the Imperials are like just cold silent jerks to like oh my god they have like really messed up views and like they're working closely with the cops and the cops have these views and um it's i think like that's what grounds it so heavily in reality for all of us and that's uh that's why i kind of knew coming out of the gate like after their and or premiere i was like this is gonna make so many people mad because it's, yeah. it's putting like it's just 
un, it's uncovering like all the stuff that was vague before, you know, it's, it's straight up like putting it out right in front of you and saying like, this is what they're like. This is how they think. This is why there's no, there's no bargaining with people like that. You know, like there's no negotiating, there's no like, you know, peace treaties or whatever that you can make that will stop them from the believing the way they believe. And so I think that's, it's just amazing, like, to see, like, you know, these villains, I hate them so much, but, but at the same time, it's like, you are so grounded in reality, like, I love the way that, that they make, I love to hate them, you know, like, yeah, um, and so it's, it's, it's just, I think it's great, like, it's been, it's been a wonderful ride so far, and, like, I'm, I'm glad that, like, we got, you know, to, to kind of spend, this time with these characters, but I'm also glad that we've got to see along with their, 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 um, uh, adventure. We got to see that little peek at Mothma and like seeing what she was dealing with in the Senate, which looks mm -hmm. very similar to our Senate and how it <laughs> reacts to things. Like mm -hmm. I've seen so many, yeah. So many meetings of Congress where like, you know, all, all of the people from a certain party were just gone when, when, mm -hmm. part, you know, people from a, another certain party were speaking or, at, you know, people who were standing up for certain things were speaking, you know, like, and, and they're just like not there or they go out for coffee or they're like talking to one of their colleagues. And mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm sorry, like, how much are you getting paid to be here? And like, <laughs> this, like I acted like this at work, I would get fired like absolutely no i you're totally right yeah everybody like it's half empty the senate mm -hmm. the imperial senate it's half empty and and the rest are all checking the news on their phones like mm -hmm. which is just yeah exactly how the current american senate acts like a lot of the time if they're if they're even present are they mm -hmm. are they actually present and like yeah. listening and hearing and it's again mon mothma's on this um it's the 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 Gor the Gormans right um, mm -hmm. which is cited in Rebels as the reason why she ends up leaving the Senate altogether um, is the the Gorman massacre um, and so she's like we can see this here and and I've mentioned this on this show before um, it's little like little crumbs every episode these hints that Mon Mothma is like she's getting closer and closer and closer to the end of her rope. And we're so close to seeing her just outright leave um, because she thinks he, she can do more work um, elsewhere um, and better work elsewhere. Because what is her work here even accomplishing if nobody's even there to listen? And we know what's going to happen to the Gormans. Um, we know she's right now fighting for their shipping lanes and for their resources, but we know what's going to happen to them. They're all going to be massacred. And, um, and we know that that's what, what makes her leave. But so like knowing what's about to happen in, in the show, knowing what's going to happen to the show, period. We know what happens next. We, we know Rogue One happens. We know the end of Rebels happens. We know A New Hope happens. We know what is going to happen. And that doesn't change how steep the stakes feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, it, we, we know the overall like stakes, but I think being introduced to these characters and like having their personal stories so heavily highlighted throughout these, these shows, like that's, that's what's impacting us. Like it's, it's, you know, it's like we were going into this episode. It's like, who's going to survive? Is Nevik going to make it? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> are we going <laughs> to, oh my God. Oh, Nevik. Oh God. I, know, I, I knew he wasn't going to make it, but. 
Yeah, I yeah. met him and I was like, "That that guy's he's a goner. That like, is dead for sure. A hundred percent." He said a cl- yeah. He said a classic. I'm about to die. Line. What did he say? Uh, um, I'm right behind you. I'm right behind you. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was watching with my partner at that time, and I like texted him, and I'm like, "Oh no, that's what Kanan said. Oh no, that's what that's- Jessica said." <laughs> That's the line, right? Well, like Cinta had one too, though. When when mm-hmm. um when Vel says, like, tell me you're gonna be okay, and she goes, I'm going to be fine, it's all going to be fine. I was like, Oh no, that's yeah, that's, that's a death sentence. You don't get to say that. Mm-mm. But since it's okay, since it's fine, since it's gonna put that cool like poncho and pants set back on that's just mm-hmm. so gorgeous, um, and just blend in with the pilgrims and walk away. Like, yes, Cinta mm-hmm. made it. Nemec did not. And we knew, and we knew it was going to happen. And yet, I was, you know, I, I was sad that both Gorn and Tamarin uh, were goners too. Like Tamarin, especially like, because we only learned anything about him really in this, in this episode Um, and that dynamic between him and Cinta that like, now I want to go back over the last two episodes and see what they do around each other. Like, like how they, what their body language is like, because we don't really see him. I think he like he maybe like barks an order or something at Cinta, but it's really just like Vel and the others who interact with her. Like Cinta doesn't really say anything to Tamarin. And yeah, to yeah. I think I think you're right. And it, yeah, this this whole show will be fascinating to go back and rewatch knowing what we know. Mm-hmm. Um I'm especially excited to go back and rewatch it if and when we find any information about Cassian's sister. Oh um, yes. Oh man, what happened to that kid? Like that I'm like I'm worried but also like excited because I feel like if we do meet her, she's going to be a complete badass because first off like uh workers in that field, I know this is a PG podcast. Workers in that field are usually badasses. I'm sorry for saying that. Totally. But, no, absolutely. But you're, they're you're completely strong, right. They're smart. They like, you know, I've I've never met someone who 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 does that work who like isn't like an awesome like sick strong person like and so i'm interested in seeing like what she's gone through why she's making those moves and where she's going next if you know because like my my belief is that she's very much alive like they they said like a a a girl from canary was here and so Mm -hmm. it wasn't long ago she's probably somewhere else at the moment and i have a feeling cassian's gonna get back on trying to find her after this Yes, I hope so. We talked about this last episode that we were like, gosh, I, I, I was getting not nervous because I trust them. And I know it's like a Chekhov's gun. You're not just going to abandon the sister mm-hmm. story. Um, but I was feeling a little nervous that they had, hadn't mentioned it in a while. Um, and then uh, we got a little bit about um, what's his name? Skeen. Mm-hmm. When uh, when Skeen is like, oh, I know I don't have a brother, actually. Like, I don't. That wasn't. That 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 I made that up, um, mm-hmm. and Cassian shoots him for it, and I was like, he shoots him for it. He's thinking about his own sister. He's like, this guy mm-hmm. lied about losing a brother in this war, and I've actually lost my sister, or I think I may have lost my sister, and I don't know where she is. Um, like, and you're gonna just lie about that and use that. You're gonna use that when we also know that since his whole family was slaughtered, and when we know. That Tim, what we know about stormtroopers at this point is that um, is that they're being you know like kidnapped as children and raised to be stormtrooper. You know whether Tamarin was was that or not doesn't really matter, right? Like 
you know, you still lose everything when you, when you join every single person in that gang had lost somebody or had lost something about themselves that brought them there to join. And Cassian hears Skeen say like, Oh no, I made that up. I don't actually have a brother. Ha ha. Mm -hmm. Let's run away together. Like, yeah, of course, like, Cassian was pissed. Kind of a red flag there, you know. Like, don't don't tell me a lie and then ask me out, you know. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't want to go nowhere with you, strange man. Um, right? I'm interested oh. in seeing. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing the the symbols of his tattoo show up again in Star Wars lore because I have a feeling it's going to tell us a lot about who Skeen really is and mm-hmm. what he associates with. Because I feel. Yeah. I feel very much like he wasn't, he was never really there for the cause, you know, like he was there to cause some chaos and maybe he did have like personal reasons to be there, but it was never so much like, you know, on the level of like Sinta and Nemec and them. Right. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious too. I'm glad you brought up the tattoos because now I'm thinking maybe because Cassian saw all the tattoos and recognized at least one of them. I wonder if he recognized other tattoos, if he like, because my first impression when when Skeen was like, uh, hey, let's just you and me take the money and run like that. My first impression was um, that he was testing him and was like, mm. oh, maybe Vel has Skeen being like, oh, let's just run away, you know, and like testing Cassian's like resolve. Mm. Um, and then Cassian shoots him. He was like, no, I'm not even going to entertain the idea that this is a test because and i wonder if there was um more inherent distrust that cassian had for skeen based on not just like him and like his like intuition but like maybe that some maybe the tattoos maybe something else about him gave him away as being actually truly scummy yeah um have you heard the theory since we we've just talked about cassian's sister and i'm coming back have you heard the theory that um clea um, Luthen's um, uh, assistant is Cassian's sister. I have not heard that theory yet. It was proposed to me a couple episodes ago by one of my I, special guests. Like, I don't think it's her, but I am really interested in where she came from and what she's doing. Cause clearly she knows, like clearly she's not the front of house. Like she's very aware of what's going on, what they're moving mm-hmm. and, and you know, all of that, especially after last episode and this one. Yeah, I was really struck by how, because, uh, like, I knew she, like, knew and was involved. Like, when she takes Mon Mothma's driver aside and is like, ooh, look at these coins. I was like, okay, she's involved. She's, like, in on it. But then when she comes back in um, at the end of, yes, the last episode, she comes back in and she's like, get off the radio. Like, there's nothing more to learn tonight. And I was like, oh, she's got, like, some power here there's some like influence she's like mm-hmm. in it she's not she's not just luthan's assistant and uh, she is like part of things and she's deep yeah. undercover and that like deep undercover as an assistant um and like also some of the information that luthan has about cassian um mm-hmm. makes me get has me leaning in the she might be cassian's sister direction but like She's suspicious for sure. There's like, she knows more than I think that she should, or she's like more important than she's letting on. And um, yeah, that look that she shot Luthen right there at the end of the episode when Luthen like goes in the back and starts laughing. Um, that like look that they share right at the end of the episode really had me like, 
like, oh, I got to know what happens with her next. Like, mm-hmm. she, there's some shots of her in the trailer looking extremely devious, wearing like a hood and oh, looking, so looking cool. Like, <laughs> and I remember right when the trailer dropped, and the trailer dropped um, right on August 1st, and mm-hmm. I caught my first screen grab of her um, walking with the hood and her hair with that center part, and she looks so rad. Um, I grabbed that screen grab and I just remember tweeting out, who are you? <laughs> I need to know who, who yeah. this is. I'm um, excited to see her running espionage. Like that's, that's just going to be so, so much fun. Like, and you know what? She kind of reminds me um, of, uh, of Bail Organa's assistant um, from Revenge of the Sith, or Sh- Shelte Retrack. Um, she's like mm. on the, the Tanta V4 um, where Bale's talking with, like, I think it's Yoda or Obi Wan. I think it's, I can't remember who it is right now. Um, but probably both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably both. I'm, I'm just trying to, like, scrape my memory while mm-hmm. I'm thinking about other things. But, like, uh, I- I've always wanted to see her, her story, like, expanded because I, like, I saw her and it was right at the end of Revenge of the Sith. The Jedi were going down at, at Order 66. This was, like, the Kickstarter for Bale, like, eventually joining the rebellion like taking Padme's plan and like putting it into action um and so I was like oh I bet she like joined the rebellion she was going to become a spy or blah 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 blah. and so in Clea like I kind of get that story now so I'm I'm really excited to see like what she's about to go do do you have any like speculations or fan theories or anything you think is about to come up next like, what do you think? I, well, I'm I'm hoping we go back and find Bix. I'm wondering where she <laughs> is. Bix Watch 2022. What happened to her? Um, uh, but you know, like I I um, I feel like we're gonna get a lot closer to Coruscant over the next couple episodes. Uh, we're gonna probably see um, what Clay is up to in that outfit where she's going. Um, and and I feel like you know. Cassian is going to report back to Luthen, whether on Coruscant or otherwise, and he's going to start sinking into the rebellion war because he has to make this trip back anyway. And so what is he going to do? Like, let's read the manifesto, right? Mm hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, oh, I'm so excited. There's so much to do with Cassian's character and so much like room for him to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm, I'm so excited to, for more Cassian. I'm super excited and hope that we get, um, and I, I know this is, um, I, this is like, obviously I'm excited for Cassian, um, is that I have found myself really compelled by um, our Imperial characters in this show. Um, mm-hmm. I really like, and I've, I've said this before on the show, but um, I really like that, um, that we're not just getting on the ground rebel, like what the rebels are up to on the ground, like the low level non-Jedi rebels, but we're also getting like the low level non Grand Moff, <laughs> um, like mm-hmm. Imperials. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it. I got. I, I we. I gotta know what um, what's his name is up to. What um oh what Cyril? Cyril's up to. I gotta know what Cyril's up Cyril. to. Yes, I gotta know. I remember his name. He's Cyril, and he ate cereal. And he ate cereal. I gotta know what Cyril's up to with that cereal. Um, and mm-hmm. like, it was so relatable when he was like crying and then looking at a picture of Diego Luna's face. Like, I just. <laughs> Like, 
that was so relatable i felt that in my soul <laughs> and it was like yeah i too want to cry oh and look gosh. at a picture of diego luna um i gotta know i gotta know what that guy is up to um i have a feeling my my like my my theory for him and like where we're gonna see him from now on is that he's gonna do like a like a classic cop movie move where it's like a they took my gun and badge but i'm gonna solve this case on my own kind of thing mm -hmm. um and i think he's on coruscant now um mm -hmm. i think i from my from my memory he goes yeah. to coruscant um and goes down a few levels to his mom's house and so if we're getting everybody on coruscant at the same time cyril and dedra and Ka and maybe hopefully cassian soon and and luthan and mm -hmm. um mon mothma and I, you're on um you're on Bix watch. Um, I've been on Jimmy Smith's watch. Smith's there's watch. No, there's no way that Bill Organa doesn't show up in the show. It's like Seriously. impossible. Mm -hmm. um, we're on Jimmy Smith's watch over here. We're on Saw Guerrero watch over here. Um, mm -hmm. We know we're going to get him. He's in the trailer. But like we're on watch for him. We're waiting desperately for any of these guys to show up. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like Coruscant where, is where everything is going to go down for the next few episodes. And um, it's such like a vibrant place to set, you know, to, to set this next part of the show. I'm excited um, for it. Like we, not to take up too much time, but like this is the first time we've been on Coruscant after Order 66. Um, yes. In that, like I'm trying to think outside of like that celebratory shot in rogue one like we haven't really spent a lot of time on coruscant like and in a way that identifies it as a planet like i'm i'm excited to see what we might like get to see of the aftermath of like what the jedi's time there you know the the temple is now like a an imperial compound and mm -hmm. we haven't really seen that yet and i would love to <laughs> to look yes. inside of those halls and see how those how those look different now Absolutely. You're yeah, you're totally right. That uh, from the best of my memory, we haven't seen Coruscant since the Clone Wars. And um that is going to hurt. <laughs> whatever whatever more shots we get of Coruscant, if they show us the Jedi Temple at all, um, any more shots inside the Senate, like this is gonna be really painful for Star Wars fans. And honestly, I welcome it. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to get hurt again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Take me back to Dex's diner. Show yes. me he's oh. not there. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh. Please bring me back to Dex's diner. It's all I've ever wanted. I just love how lived in the universe feels, no matter where we go. Like even on Coruscant, like we spend time in in Cyril's mom's apartment, and there's like you know dishes, and like there's a a, a like small like trash droid, and like little things that set it up as like a full environment it's it's made me so happy like it's not like we haven't gotten like that before with star wars you know we've been at, at anakin's house and in, in bray in um uh, Baru and owen's house and things like that but like i feel like this is the first time we've seen this universe like actually lived in that you know that it, it's in an impactful way yeah yeah especially like on a on like a core planet and like what it you know what these how the just a regular old citizen of the empire lives is um mm -hmm. is really really fascinating i just and um i can't wait to learn more i can't wait for these isb agents to start getting into some trouble too mm -hmm. like like De like dedra and her rad assistant <laughs> oh my god her mini tarkin i don't I yes name, so i just call him little tarkin <laughs> little tarkin i don't know what his name is um but his energy is very um 
he's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very eager to help. <laughs> so as we wrap up, uh, Katrina, why don't you tell our fabulous listeners uh, what you're working on, the projects that you're working on, the podcasts that you host, and um, where they can find you online? Well, y'all can find me online anywhere if you look for Okatrina. That's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A. I am working on like a ton of projects right now. Uh, we are leading up to Ventress Day on November 14th. It's the anniversary of her first appearance in the um, 2D animated Clone Wars series. This is year 19 for Ventress. So next year it's going to be 20 years of Ventress, uh, which I'm so excited about. Um <laughs> Uh, so we have that coming up. I also have a, a short story about Ventress leading, uh, uh, releasing with um, uh, Star Wars editorial. Um, not the official, but like a, a great fan um, universe that has been building up through several stories. And so that'll be available um, uh, on November 12th. Um, my podcasts where you can find me include Pedro Pascal, the podcast about the cinematography of Pedro Pascal, which I, I, I co-host with my dear friend, Rachel Leishman. Uh, I also host a fight club far, far away, which is about the various fights in star Wars and how they came to be. And I am, uh, about to release the first episode of what's glup which is a podcast about the minor characters in Star Wars and why we love them. So that's, that's, I think that's most of what I'm doing right now. Like there's more stuff, but I can't talk about it till next year. So. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being here. Um, yes. Listeners, if you want to follow this show on Twitter, we're at Rogue Fun Pod. Um, we are constantly tweeting about Rogue One and about Andor, and you can join the, us and the conversation there. Um, if you like the show and you want to um, support what we do here, we do have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Those Happy Places is the name of the Patreon. Those Happy Places is the name of our flagship show, which is a podcast all about theme parks, rides, and attractions and why they matter. Um, if you are interested in that show, this show, and you want to support us and what we do, uh, once again, that website is Patreon.com slash Those Happy Places. I am on Twitter and Instagram and on TikTok at Alice White, THP for those happy places and a uh, special thanks and shout out to uh, buddy Duquesne, who was unable to join us uh, this week. Hopefully we can see him soon. We miss you, buddy. And uh, we hope that you come back and join us in the galaxy far, far away. Very, very soon. Rogue fun. Pulling away. May the force be with you.